Warning, the following broadcast is not intended to be a substitute for legal advice or firearm safety, competence, or proficiency training. This broadcast is solely for entertainment, discussion, and informational purposes. Side effects may include a sudden undeniable urge to exercise your Second Amendment rights, and you may in fact turn into a gun nut. You've been warned. Welcome to another episode of Locked, Loaded, and Legal. I'm your host, Mike Jeremita, with your host, Jose Morales. Thank you for joining us once again. We've got a very special guest. We're live from Harrisburg Hunters and Anglers, and we've got the Vice President, Al Bernardi, with us here today. Al, thank you for joining us. Thank you. I'm glad to be here. Glad to be part of it. Well, we appreciate your overwhelming support over these last few months as we have initiated Locked, Loaded, and Legal. And we thank you for taking the time to come in and chat with us. So, Al, why don't you go ahead and tell our listeners a little bit about what you do and what your background is with firearms. Well, um, as you said, I am uh, an officer of Harrisburg Hunters and Angler Sportsman's Club. Um, I'm actually the vice president. I'm our coordinating trainer, if you will, for uh, handguns and handgun safety. Um, I oversee a team of uh, about a dozen volunteer instructors who work with us here at the club and uh, we put on group classes as well as doing some individual one-on-one training. Uh, We have other classes that we put on as well uh, for firearm safety. Uh, A little bit about me, I'm a uh, retired, about a year and a half now, uh, former law enforcement officer, uh, 26 years and working for more than one department like most. so uh, the training I do is all geared towards basic safety and education. I'm a firm believer in uh, not only uh, helping pe- people become both safe and responsible, but uh, educated in firearms law uh, as well. You know, I've known you for over five years now. I've been a member of Harrisburg Hunters and Anglers since before I even lived in Pennsylvania. And you were one of the ones who really welcomed me to the family here in the gun-owning community in Pennsylvania. And for as long as I've known you, that's been absolutely the case that you've been pushing training and education, constantly having classes, encouraging people to come on out. Where does that passion come from? Well, I'm a firm believer in it, uh, in the training and the education. Uh, there's just no better way, in my opinion, to protect our Second, right, uh, second Amendment rights, I should say, um, than training and education. If we are producing classes after class of safe and responsible firearms owner, who can argue with that? If you're doing it right, uh, the anti-gun crowd, or or even those are maybe not anti-gun, but are sitting on the fence and indifferent, they can't argue with uh, our Second Amendment rights if we are doing it right. On the other hand, if we have people out there doing truly foolish things with firearms, uh, and we do nothing about it, uh, we will lose our rights, and maybe deservedly so. So, uh, yes, I've had a passion towards uh, training, uh, firearm safety, as well as the educational process, what you can and can't do with a firearm, what the law allows you to do or doesn't allow you to do. All that is important knowledge. 
And that's really our goal with Locked, Loaded, and Legal from the very beginning. When Jose and I talked about starting this thing, that's what it was all about is, hey, let's get people into the fold where we can provide them with a resource to get some of this education, learn some stuff about this training. And you really brought up an excellent point. It seems like you take it from the angle of, listen, I really care about these rights. So what can I do to keep these rights alive? Because there's no question about it that now more than ever, we're seeing people uh, promote some kind of systemic attack on our Second Amendment rights. I don't think that there's any question out there that there are people who have strong questions as to whether the Second Amendment should even exist. I mean, they've so much as come on out and said things like this. So it seems like from your perspective, if we continue to educate, if people become more informed, then that'll preserve our rights. Is that fair to say? Absolutely. Um, students that come to me usually are the beginning students, the person that just went and bought a gun and says, now what? And although there is no training requirement in Pennsylvania, for example, for concealed carry, as many states do, um, you really need to know what you're going to do with that firearm once you own it. And I'm not just talking about squeezing triggers. I'm talking about uh, being safe and responsible, being uh, uh, firearms owners, um, keeping it safe in the home, around unauthorized people perhaps, around children, things of that nature. And that's all part of education. Uh, the law is important, but just common sense education is important. And mental attitudes, I think, is important too. There are those that feel that the only reason a person owns a gun is they just can't wait to shoot somebody. Well, that's that's couldn't be further from the truth. And it's part of our responsibility, I think, as, as educators to uh, expand on that. If I can tell a fast story. Sure. Um, this has been a couple of years ago. I had a couple come here to the club. Uh, they are now members of this club, but uh, husband and wife, two small children. Husband wanted to own a firearm, keep it in the house for personal protection. The wife was dead set against it, but she realized that it made some sense. So she would agree to their owning a firearm in the house if they both took some training and education. And I'm fine with that. So came to the range and we spent some time and we talked about the law as well as safety and all those sorts of things. And we went to the range when the time was right and we shot guns and they both did very well. And she became a little more relaxed about it. Um, I wouldn't say she was or ever will become a real enthusiast, <laughs> but at least she accepted the gun in their home and it made sense to her. But at some point she said to me, well, what do I tell my friends when they find out we have a gun? And I said, well, first of all, they don't have to know, number one. Number two, if you feel it's important to tell them or if they do find out, let me ask you something. You told me you have two small children. Yes, we do. Preschool age, yes. I said, when you put them in a the car, do you put them in a car seat? Well, of course we do. Now she's half offended that I asked that question. Mm -hmm. And I said, well, why would you put them in a car seat? Why, to keep them safe. I said, exactly. That gun is nothing more than a tool to keep you and your family safe. And when she thought about it that way, she was kind of relieved. Oh, now I, now I can tell my, my, gun, my friends something about <laughs> gun ownership. Right. That's a, that's a great story, and you know, as as another as a firearms instructor as well, we run into 
you know, those kinds of mindsets all the time. And in the spirit of full disclosure, we're here at uh, at uh, Harrisburg Hunters and Anglers, and it's an absolutely beautiful club, Alan. I Thank can, you. We can tell that uh, just by coming on campus that you guys take pride in, in the Second Amendment, pride in your club, and it's just so welcoming and warm. And the antithesis of what people imagine uh, gun ranges or, you know, areas where firearms enthusiasts may hang out. And, you know, I tell, you know, we mention to our listeners all the time, why don't you just take a moment to visit your local gun store, your local gun range, or maybe come on down to Harrisburg Hunters and Anglers, you know, and uh, and see how the other half lives. And uh, and you once you once you pull that trigger, you're never going to be the same again. You're going to say, wait a second, this is pretty friggin' awesome. I want to do it again. There are all kinds of misconceptions. It really is like a family here at Harrisburg Hunters and Anglers, I've got to say that. I think it's interesting that the one thing the lady brought up is, what do I tell my friends as if she had some kind of duty or obligation to inform the world as if maybe they're making us wear funny hats or something because we're gun owners so everybody else can know. Well, and that's right. And, of course, her concern was if her friends found out this is an evil thing. Right. No, it's not. It's a tool like any other tool. And, you know, we own guns for personal protection, home protection, but that is by far not the only reason. Recreational shooting is fun. It's just enjoyable. Um, I've had a couple of students of late who came to me and we worked on the range and their, their primary concern was personal or home protection. But they said, hey, this is a lot more fun than I thought it was going to be. So there's lots of reason to own a, own a firearm, not just uh, protection. Well, that's certainly a big one. Uh, lots of reason to own a gun. It's, it's a, a hobby. It's a recreational endeavor, just like anything else we do. And like anything else we do, you do need to be safe and responsible about it. Well, interestingly enough, you know, our, our kind of lifestyle of firearms ownership and Second Amendment advocacy is the real only, only kind of life choices where we have to feel as though we have to justify kind of our choices to people. And I kind of label that as gun owner guilt. Sure. You know, I, again, I had a, a student the other day who, you know, said to me, well, how in the world am I going to explain to people, you know, that I'm thinking about having a gun in the house? And I told them, you know, just why would you have to justify your, your life choices? But if you do, you tell them it's because you want to have an option to protect yourself, you know. And uh, it's just really interesting, that kind of dynamic of people being ashamed to being able to have the ability to protect themselves. Certainly. And we try to educate people so that's, you know, for them to say, hey, it's okay to have that option and be proud of that. Well, sure. You know, and things happen, and it doesn't have to be in the badlands of the, of the cities or anything else. Uh, in one of my classes, I think it was last summer, I'm doing a presentation on the legal aspects of gun ownership. And uh, two of the students in my class were actually involved in a home defense shooting. Hmm. I don't want to go into the details because I don't have their permission to tell the whole story or anything. But uh, a neighbor's home was broken into. Uh, a lady was uh, critically assaulted. Uh, the bad guy, the the assailant, broke into their home with a baseball bat and raised it in those that manner that uh, the threat was imminent. And uh, the homeowner shot the assailant. The assailant didn't die in his house, died out in the street. But uh, uh, this was in a very a beautiful neighborhood, expensive homes. It wasn't in, you know... The quote-unquote stereotypical scenario. Exactly. Right. Absolutely. Sure. 
sure. So I'm sure that was an eye-opener for not only them, but for the people around them and got more and more people involved. Now, we'll get back to that when we come back from this break. Hi, Jose Morales here. Mike and I want to take a minute to thank each and every one of you for taking the time to listen to us. If you find the broadcast interesting or informative, please tell others about us and consider showing your support either by becoming a patron on Patreon or through a donation on PayPal via the links at LockedLoadedAndLegal.com. Thanks again and stay safe. We're back with another segment of Lock, Loaded, and Legal. And when we left, we were talking uh, to Alan Bernardi about the wake-up call of having an actual home invasion with one of uh, the students that he knows. Uh, Alan, can you talk a bit more about that? Well, it was interesting because these two were, uh, this couple, married couple, were students in this our class. And while I'm doing a presentation on the legal aspects of home protection and all that sort of thing, they're kind of mumbling back and forth to each other, and I thought maybe I had upset them or was losing them. After the class, they said, hey, can we talk? Sure. And they told me uh, what had happened, and basically what they said was, we think everything we did was right, except that we maybe talked to law enforcement afterwards too quickly. Well, in their case, it was classic. There was just no doubt. So that wasn't an issue. But uh, the reason they were in our class was because they bought a gun for home protection and really did not know how to use it. Mm-hmm. And all of a sudden, they're faced with it. Um, and fortunately for them, it came out well, uh, both legally and otherwise. Uh, but, you know, we do get members in our class for just that reason. And quite honestly, the majority of our students both in our group classes and those I do one-on-one training with, are ladies, are women. Uh, usually they are, I hate the word older, but usually they're my More mature, generation. Right? Women age like fine wine. So yeah, we, we, sour, we, we men sour like vinegar. But <laughs> yes. And the reason is they are concerned. They're concerned about their safety. I work with a woman now on a regular basis uh, whose husband is in very ill health, and she's realized that if... God forbid something happens, she's it. She's going to be the home protector. Um, We do get younger folks in our classes, but most of the uh, people are not the 21-year-old age group. Uh, I had a young lady that uh, I'm working with right now who's 23 years old and brilliant, uh, the kind of person that you know that our country's in good hands. Mm. But... uh, She's kind of the exception with our classes. We don't get the younger folks for a number of reasons. Maybe they can't afford to buy the gun, but a lot of times it's because they don't think they need the training. And, you know, especially the guys. When I was 21, I knew everything about everything there was, too. (laughs) So uh, uh, most of our students are a little bit more mature, pretend to be female, with our club here, we do accept new members all the time, and we get new members probably every month. We lose some to moving away, to uh, age, to those sorts of things. Um, but, so we don't have a huge net gain in membership every year, but we do have a, a, a gain. 
and uh, uh, we have more. We are seeing more and more females. Uh, we even offer a ladies' night event here uh, once a month at our club. You don't have to be a member. Uh, we do ask you to register. With it's all on online, but uh, uh, ladies come, and if they're at a skill level that they don't need help, great. But if they do need help, we provide instructors for them to, uh, you know, it's not meant to be a substitute for training, but it keeps them safe. It gets them comfortable and it hopefully makes them want to do more training and uh, work with an instructor on a regular basis. So, uh, yes, but our demographics are more mature people and more females. Do they have to own a gun to come to ladies' night? They do not. If they uh, don't own a gun, we will provide one. Uh, it'll be a 22 caliber, relatively simple shooter, if you will. Hey, nothing wrong with that. No, but uh, no. And in our classes, uh, we people don't have to own a gun. We provide that same 22 caliber gun. Uh, we do tell people if you're going to own a gun or if you already own a gun, that's the one you should be training with. Mm. Uh, and we also tell people don't rush out and buy a gun just to accommodate our class either because part of the training is what's right for you, what, what, what gun should be. I own. Now, and I don't be my specific manufacturer, but semi-automatic versus revolver, little gun, big gun, those sorts of things. That's so important because a lot of people, and we've spoken about this on the podcast before, have rushed into that decision and quickly thereafter found out, hey, that wasn't the gun for them. And it really sort of throws a wrench in their whole walk as a law-abiding gun owner and their path to becoming a responsible gun owner. I think it's interesting when you brought up the home invasion situation that they had come to the course after the fact. Now, ideally, we don't want to be coming to your courses after we've already had a life or death situation and had to use that firearm. Yeah, exactly. I didn't ask the folks, but I wonder if they would have taken any training at all had they not present, been presented with such a horrible situation. Mm. And uh, uh, that's kind of the horse before the cart. Uh, people should get trained and should... Uh, understand the law and be safe and responsible if they're going to own a firearm. Yeah, you mentioned they said, we think we were in the right, and you never want to think in those situations, well, it's, right? it's funny you had mentioned that. I, I had the exact basic uh, response by one of my students this past week. Um, when I asked him, I, I, I do pop quizzes and ask him, what, what are the circumstances that justify the use of deadly force? And he started with, I think, and I said, stop. <laughs> right. I said, are you willing to gamble your whole estate, every penny you've ever owned and will ever own, on maybe possibly knowing when you might be able to use that gun? Well, I think, ah, don't think, right? I was channeling Judge Judy. That's my kind of right, right, you know, my, right. my hidden guilty pleasure is yeah. watching Judge Judy. <laughs> but absolutely, you know, and, and unfortunately and sadly enough, as a firearms instructor, we see people, and I call it remedial education. Everybody wants to be a gun owner either after they get pistol whipped or after they have a tragedy or after there's a reality check. And we as gun enthusiasts and as Second Amendment advocates want to avoid that. We want people to open up their minds and try uh, maybe stepping out of their comfort zone and learning about firearms and learning about the ability to protect themselves prior to needing it. I agree with that. And uh, those people need to get their training and education from reputable sources. Um, and forums generally are not that. <laughs> you know, you, 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 or YouTube. Or YouTube. Right. There are some good things on YouTube, and there are some forums that are good. But uh, more often than not, when a question is asked on a, on a forum, there's a dozen different opinions there, and they're coming from people that really have no clue. 
Right, right, exactly. And ask a, a qualified professional that's been certified, you know, and has a law enforcement experience like yourself, someone who's, who's lived the, the lifestyle. Well, I was recently in a gun store, and I walked into, I guess, into the middle of a conversation, but a customer there was trying to convince himself, I think, more than anything that he was right. But one of the things that came out of his mouth was, according to the law, if somebody breaks into your house, you can shoot them mm. if they're at least 21 feet from you. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> now, I know where that's he got awesome. that 21 foot I thing love from. that. Right. But, you know, that's the kind of stuff that's out there. And another gentleman, not at the same time, but another gentleman, um, I heard him telling the, the, uh, the clerk or the seller of guns that... He wanted to own the biggest caliber handgun he could own because whenever he saw a policeman doing a traffic stop, he was going to stop and he was going to be there to assist. Mm. Imagine that. Mm. Guy gets out of his car, plain clothes, mm. and starts pointing a gun in the direction of the officer. Even if he's well-intended, you know that cannot end well. All right. It's a recipe it's, for failure. Especially the biggest one you can find. He's got a desert <laughs> eagle, right? <laughs> Gold-plated eagle. Right. Yeah, I love it. The desert eagle. I think that's interesting that you mentioned that you've got a guy out there uh, reiterating this false legal standard and this gross misunderstanding of the law, almost as if he heard bits and pieces in different spots and uh, threw them into a hat and mixed it all up and saw what come out and, yeah. and uh, you know, end up with this thing that doesn't even resemble sure. what the it's law is. It's these legal, kind of these legal and firearms-related urban legends. I don't know how they you know, have developed, but people start perpetuating them as truths. Well, that's right. And sometimes they are... They, they hear it from what should be a legitimate, qualified source, but they don't hear everything. Or they ask questions designed to get them the answer they want to hear. Um, I have had more than one person tell me, well, I talked to a police officer and he said, well, not every police officer is involved in home invasions, and I'm not knocking anybody, but... Uh, this particular person had wanted to hear what he wanted to hear. And, of course, he said that the police officer told him, sure, if somebody breaks into your house, you can shoot them. <laughs> well, I doubt if any police officer ever said that. Right. There are circumstances, as you both know, that where you may be justified in that or mm -hmm. not. And right. just the, a blanket statement like that is dangerous. Now, it could happen. i got to tell you, Al, when I lived out in Oklahoma... There was a situation where this lady was stalking my wife, and it was when I was very new to carrying, um, and we had gone down to the police station to report something, and this big, bald gentleman comes on out, tattoos up and down his arms, and he says to me, son, you own a gun? I said, yes, sir. He said, let me tell you something. We know that lady. That lady's nuts. So if she comes through your door and you feel threatened feel free to spread her brains across the wall. <laughs> and I said, are you right. sure? <laughs> and he goes, Trust me, son. And he said, we ain't in New York anymore. <laughs> but, you know, you understood what he was telling you, but 
that was a very dangerous statement. Absolutely. No, no, no. That's what I'm saying. Yeah, exactly. I'm saying I'm saying that that probably wasn't the thing to say. Right. And, and being involved in this business all these years later, I understand that, holy mackerel, that guy could have got somebody in a whole lot of trouble by saying something like that. And I see this happen over and over again. Not necessarily people maliciously telling citizens the wrong, uh, the wrong laws or anything of that nature. But... Uh, sometimes law enforcement officers don't know and understand each and every aspect of the law, much like attorneys don't understand each and every aspect of the law. If you came to me out with a tax law question, I wouldn't be able to help you. <laughs> well, and I tell my students that. I tell my students if you are ever involved in a situation where you have used deadly force or even pointed a gun at somebody because you can be arrested, as you know, for assault, whether you squeeze a trigger or not, um, you want the attorney, a, a qualified criminal defense attorney on your side that knows firearms law. You know, you're the divorce attorney might be brilliant at what he does, but he's not the guy you want representing you. Right. Your real estate attorney, again, might be very good, but that's not the person you want representing you. Or maybe even your average criminal defense attorney who has plea bargained tons of cases. You know, it's very different to uh, to, to defend a, an innocent person. That's true. Sure. Think about, like, O.J. Simpson's lawyers. They were great at showing, hey, this guy didn't do it. There's an entirely mm. different ball game when you're trying to explain to 12 people, yes, this person absolutely killed another human being, but there's a legally recognized reason why they did it. Exactly. And, you know, you need to do some homework maybe in advance because after it happens, isn't the time to go to the yellow pages, if yellow pages even exist anymore. <laughs> All right, Google maybe there on the cell phone. And find that attorney. And that's why I support U.S. Law Shield because I know as a member, if God forbid I'm ever in that situation, I'll get the help I need and I'll get it now. And again, another thing I stress to my students, and I'm sure that you gentlemen do this well, um, using that firearm or using lethal force at all is an extreme last resort. If there's any way you can do something else, do something else. But if your back's against the wall and you have no choice, uh, then you want to make sure you're in compliance with the law and have the right representation afterwards. Sure. Uh, we're going to go to another break, and when we come back, Al, we're going to talk about any final thoughts you might have. Back with Locked, Loaded, and Legal live at Harrisburg Hunters and Anglers with Al Bernardi. I want to remind our listeners that you can go to lockedloadedandlegal.com to leave us feedback. Let us know what you think about the program and visit our social media profiles. So, Al, when we left, uh, we had talked about a whole lot during this episode. What weighs on your mind as just some final points? Well, the one thing that I th can think of is natural, national reciprocity. You know, that comes up every few years, and it seems to never make it get past. Um, but I think if we have continued training, if people are safe and responsible, 
and they're trained, it has a much better uh, opportunity to pass. And it's one of the things I teach my students is that just because you own a concealed carry permit in Pennsylvania, and even though there are other states that honor it, you have to be careful how you get there. Mm. Uh, for example, there are no border states, as you know, other than Ohio and West Virginia that honor ours. Mm. So if you're going to travel to another state, even one that honors our concealed carry permit, you have to be very careful that you know the laws in those states you're going to go through, especially if you're going to spend any time in those states. So uh, uh, I would love to see natural reciprocity passed. I hope it will. But until it does, uh, people need to know the law and uh, be very careful. And that's another reason why I believe in uh, U.S. Law Shield. It isn't as much just because of attorney representation, but uh, it's the education. These seminars that are held um, keep people safe, keep people from getting in trouble, and it's just a tremendous education that uh, people can get for sitting through the seminars. We uh, host them here at our club, but they are elsewhere throughout the state as well. Um, go on their website, uslawshield.com, and uh, find those seminars and attend them. Absolutely, and we host them at Philly Firearms Academy as well. And now, Mike, you want to talk a little bit about just in 30 seconds or less, explain what national reciprocity is? so hard to say, national reciprocity. National reciprocity. So essentially, what the bill proposed stated was that if you had a license to carry firearms, then other states would be forced to essentially honor that license to carry. Uh, we could not get into the ins and outs of what exactly the bill provided in 30 seconds, but basically it would be similar to a driver's license where just because you go into New Jersey doesn't mean that you're not allowed to drive a car because you're in a different state. Unfortunately, uh, with the changing of the guard, so to speak, with the House, it doesn't look like we're going to see national reciprocity anytime soon. So what I could recommend to our listeners is, like Al said, make sure you educate yourself, get trained up, get as many licenses as you possibly can, and really hold your politicians' feet to the fire. Make phone calls and get out there and vote when the time comes. And get educated. I mean, you know, it's not just about... It is about knowing about the firearm and the laws and so on and so forth, but it's also demystifying stereotypes and preconceptions. And you hear people demonize national reciprocity. Blood's gonna gonna flow in the streets if you're able to carry in different states. And you know, really speak to um, you know people's fears. They speak to people's fears instead of uh, you know rational thoughts. So. For those of you on the fence or have no idea about national reciprocity, find out. Read a book. Ask an attorney. Come to a U.S. Law Shield seminar. Come to Harrisburg Hunters and Anglers and find out um, so that you can make the best decision possible because it's in everybody's best interest. Yeah, we have all these states out there with shall issue or pretty close type schemes for licenses to carry. There are a lot of people carrying guns out there on a regular basis. Uh, we see what happens when these uh, laws are enacted to help people lawfully carry. It's not something where the sky is falling like they claim. Now, Al, one last thing I did want to ask you about. You talked about the demographic uh, of your students, the first-time students being primarily mature women, right? Um, maybe that's because they're just smarter than the rest of us. Well, I think there's some truth in that. There is some truth in that. But is there anything that you think we could do to get other people involved? Because sometimes men, like you said, are just too proud, whether they're young, I think even more when they're old, right? 
because they've been around forever. They don't need no stinking instruction or, or the younger generation. Is there anything that we could do to get these people involved? Because if we don't get the younger generation get involved, hey, I'm 31 years old. I don't see a whole lot of people my age to my left and my right when I'm out on the range. What can we do to get folks like, like us involved or maybe those older gentlemen? Well, a lot of it is in the education, uh, finding uh, young ladies like we had today who would potentially has instructor possibilities. Um, people like her can encourage her generation, her younger folks to get involved. Uh, to be educated, and by educated there, I mean understand that firearms are not such a mystery and that uh, you're not a demon or an evil person if you uh, own a firearm. Go to a range, uh, take people to ranges, um, especially younger people, just, just for the pure fun of it. Obviously, safety is everything, but just get them involved. Um, if you get them involved and they enjoy it, they will stay involved and they will continue. So uh, I think that's a, a lot of it, just trying to reach the younger generation and, and uh, uh, educate them on how much fun recreational shooting can be. I want to leapfrog on that point as well and mention to all of the millennials and those people that are 21 that I call closet gun enthusiasts, mm -hmm. people who are interested but are afraid to mention it because of what their peers may think. Right. Hey, Email us at lockloadedandlegal.com. I'd be happy to refer you to a firearms instructor in your area. We'd be happy to answer questions at info at uh, lockloadedandlegal.com or at jose at lockloadedandlegal.com or mike at lockloadedandlegal.com. We'll answer your questions and guide you in the right direction because, you know, you really need to find out for yourself how awesome it is to be able to empower yourself with the ability to protect yourself and how much fun it is in an environment that you're not going to be judged like in Harrisburg Hunters and Anglers. Well, and that's right, and that's why I'm very happy to be involved to some extent with LockLoadedAndLegal.com because it is a tremendous source of education, uh, getting people involved, questions answered, things of that nature, and they can do it from their home. They don't have to worry about forums. They don't have to worry about asking people that don't really know. Uh, you can just get involved and enjoy it. And in the spirit of full disclosure, ladies and gentlemen, we didn't pay him a, a darn cent for that <laughs> promo. Um, as a matter of fact, Alan is a great man and one of our legacy supporters, one of the first people that actually demonstrated his support um, through a donation. So we really appreciate it because we do this because we really are passionate about educating. We don't have any sponsors so that we're not beholden to anybody. And again, we want to thank you for hosting us, for having us here at your beautiful facility. This club is awesome and for your thank hospitality. You. Thank you so much, brother. Thank you. Glad to do it. Thank you. All right. You've listened to another episode of Locked, Loaded, and Legal. Uh, thank you for joining once, us once again. I'm Mike Jeremita. And Jose Morales. Thank Take you care, so much. Folks. Be safe. Thank you for listening to another episode of Locked, Loaded, and Legal, brought to you by Philly Firearms Radio. For more information and to show your support, visit LockedLoadedAndLegal.com.